0: Zach. Hey, Jack. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh,
1: I am hosted up in a Gregory's Coffee in New York City. I'm heading to Vegas right after this for the Software Y MTT Academy. Um, this week was sort of a nightmare in terms of trying to find a time to record and release an episode, but we decided rather than miss a week, uh, we would make do with the situation. And here we are.
0: How are you doing? Yeah i'm 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 doing good. I don't like missing weeks, so this week is no exception to that i'm we're briefly in the same state before you head to Vegas and then uh, yeah, I'm at home in New York right now. We'll be around for some family and work stuff for most of the next month and then uh we'll have around a week or so at the w s o p less time than I'd like, but uh you know I'm gonna definitely make the most of that week, yeah, man.
1: Uh, Well, I'm excited to have you out there in, uh, I guess, around a month. Uh, We'll be announcing some details about a meetup probably early in the series, maybe before you get there, and maybe we'll do another one once you're there. Anyways, info about that to come. Let's get into the hand. Uh, Zach, I'm actually going to have you read uh, our listeners what they've written to us this week. Uh, I know know that's normally my duty, but... I think you're going to do a stellar job.
0: Thanks, Jack. I appreciate the confidence. So our hero is playing one, two at the gateway casino on the Michigan, Ontario border on the Canadian side. It's 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Listener writes myself, who is looked at as a tight, aggressive player, 31 years old, six, six and a well-known athlete in a small town, which I think discredits my play at times. Uh, I just want to stop there for a second. I, I don't necessarily think that would discredit your play um you know i think when you're talking about like an nba player or something i'm definitely going to look at that person as you know someone i want to be playing playing with but if you're just well known in a in a smaller town um i think some people might even be like kind of afraid of playing with you given that you're a successful athlete and you know a tall probably pretty strong dude so uh you know you you know how you're perceived better than us but just just my little comment before moving on. So our, our, he continues to write, I'm a regular there while the poker tables only open Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Villain is a mid-20s semi-reg who I've walked about 25 hours against in the past two months. The casino has a lot of older regs who are overly tight. The young guys usually chat a lot and I've had only positive interactions in the past with Villain. Casino has an $100 max bet as opposed to a true all-in, but this factor rarely comes into play. Um, so sounds like the 1-2 gameplay is pretty short. He continues to write 30 minutes before. Villain to my left straddled. It followed around and I gave him a weird look, his words, (laughs) and I checked my hand, made a 15 with kings. He jammed with unders for $70 and lost the pot. Villain thinks he's better at reading people than he actually is. I have my headphones in and because I have a bit of a cold, I am quietly clearing my throat every minute or so. So thank you for the detailed description. Uh, Jack, any, any thoughts before we move on to the hand? Oh, uh, Maybe a recommendation to stay at
1: home if you are sick. Uh, I think the other poker players will appreciate it. I know I get a little annoyed when people are clearly sick and are at the poker table handling chips. Um, but we're so glad you wrote in the hand, even if maybe you were spreading contagions. So... Uh, no, let's get to, to the action.
0: So, player in uh, middle position limps. Hero has 7-6 to clubs and limps the hijack. Villain limps the cutoff, and the button folds. Bl- blinds compete complete and check. This is standard for the table. I will sometimes raise these hands, but wanted to balance my limping range, so I just flat. So, I'll, the, how about Jack? You want to you wanna chime in there? Yeah. Um,
1: I think this category of hands, the student connector, uh, meddling connector type hands play a lot better as an open. Um, Basically, a a big part of the value of these hands is that on a very high frequency of flops, you'll touch the board in a way that will allow you to see bet when you have a range advantage um, in a heads-up or perhaps three-way pot. And so you want to be trying to manufacture those situations as much as possible, holding these types of hands. Whereas, um, based on the way these games tend to play, uh, six, seven will be dominated fairly often when you actually make some sort of hand. Like it's very easy for someone else to have clubs. And if they do, then it's very likely to be higher. Um, are very likely to play dominating straight hands, uh, you know, offsuit seven hands that have a better kicker, offsuit six hands, uh suited six hands. So they're just, you have a lot of interest in getting folds with this type of hand. I'm not saying that, like, the limp is minus EV. I just think that this is the type of hand I would um be raising before I raise the hand, like, say, ace three suited or king three suited those types of hands, which I think do play fairly well multi-way.
0: Yeah, I think... I think that putting this in your limping range doesn't really balance it. I think if you're looking to kind of like balance a limping range, you want to be flatting more of those hands, like what Jack said, like your suited aces, and then occasionally have like a like a monster, like an aces or kings. But I think when you're playing at this kind of like short stacked one, two table, you should never really try to balance your limping range and just try to get value with your better hands. And just to to kind of fight for our hero for a little bit, I think it's reasonable to be, uh, you know, over limping this hand. Sounds like a game where there's a lot of limping and really not that much raising. And if, you know, you're pretty short stacked and people are going to limp call a lot uh, and you're going to see like a big multi-way pot, well, then especially assuming some type of post flop skill edge, I'd probably prefer a limp with this hand than a fold or a raise. Although I think both other options are pretty similar in terms of EV. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. But you know, one thing we used to say more often on this podcast, and I
1: think we we haven't necessarily said this in a while, is that there is some sizing that like narrows the field in this game. There's no there's no games where like you can just shove and then everyone calls every time. Um, I mean, there I'm sure that game exists, but like this is not that game. So you should be opening a lot. Even if most people in the game aren't opening. And if you, maybe you aren't doing that because the sizings that you're used to choosing don't get very many folds. And then what I would say is just size bigger. So, uh, yeah, again, I still think like limping this hand is probably plus EV as long as you play well post flop. But, yeah, I would, e- even if like it takes a raise to 15 or 20 to, um, Isolate with a high frequency. I would just do that. And I think like. If you're concerned that you're just going to win the money in the pot at high frequency, when you make that play, I would say that that outcome is likely better for you than the value of limping. So yeah, that's, that's my case for raising. And, uh, just a general reminder that in these games, you do want to be opening a lot of pots, so you don't want to get too
0: far into the limping game.
1: Um, and that you just need to make it bigger if you're playing multi way too often.
0: So, just to recap, um, there are five players here. We have the original limper in middle position, our hero in the hijack, our villain in the cutoff. The effective stack is around 100 big blinds, uh, and then the two blinds. So five-handed the flop. Flop is the ace-deuce-four all clubs. Blinds check, middle position player checks, and... Our hero checks figuring villain will bet. So middle position call well before we move on to that, I just want to kind of chime in and and say, you know, even if this player is somewhat aggressive, in a multiway pot like this on a like an all three club board, there's very few people that I think are gonna bet most of the time here, one check two. And if they are, they their description would probably sound pretty different than what we heard from this villain. So I think this is a clear spot where we just need to be betting for value, um, and you know, with it, with just a hundred big blinds, uh, just hoping that we uh, get raised by the main villain. Yeah, I mean, we just have a huge interest in
1: not letting this check through. Um, we have four players in the pot. It's, I would guess, a likelihood that at least one of them holds a club that's higher than. Uh, Any of them are, yes, I think it's a likelihood that one of them holds a club in their hand that's higher than a seven. Uh, And if it's not a likelihood, I would guess for sure it's higher than like 35% of the time. So we have an interest in getting those hands to either fold or put more money in the pot now. And yeah, I, I think you said it really well. Just even a very aggressive player, there are some situations where, you know, I think if this player was betting. 50% 50% of the time here, that'd be extremely aggressive. And so even in that aggressive state, we're still letting the uh, everyone in the pot see a free turn part 50% of the time. And so I think we're just behooved to like pot it here. And I think if we pot it here, then we put these hands that we have an interest in seeing either put money in the pot now or fold we put them into a decision that we're very happy with having put them in.
0: Cool. So what actually happened is uh villain bet middle position player calls and then our hero just calls and he says, I think check raising this flop will scare most hands off. And I would say I agree with that assessment. And that's why I think betting is, is superior. But when it, when this action actually happens, I probably still prefer a raise, but it's, it's close
1: yeah i mean so there's this fundamental tension between like uh denying equity and accruing value um it's hard to do both a lot of times when we bet we're putting the impetus on our opponent to either give us value or release their equity and that's a decision that we're happy to make our opponents make um in this case you know if we decided to check raise we would we would be putting that decision on them. Um, Obviously, sometimes we are just beat by one of these two villains, in which case, we're very likely to lose all our money uh, if the board doesn't bring a fourth club, and that's just something that we have to accept. Um, Yeah, I don't hate slow playing here, but I think slow playing is generally underrated. I also think that this is a formation where... Slow playing is a little bit more dangerous. I like slow playing better in position against the person with initiative, especially in games where people uh, respect initiative a lot. So, like, we said that we think Button is very aggressive, which means that probably a lot of his range isn't going to be comfortable firing a turn bet um, into two collars. And so if we just flat here and the turn breaks, we're very often gonna see a check from the out of position player. And so we're gonna have to bet it ourselves and lead out, in which case if we're opting to lead out, then I would say uh, for sure we should have check raised. Um, Or if we're gonna let the button, or sorry, the cutoff, if we're gonna check with the cutoff, then we have to be prepared to let a river card come free at a high frequency. So I think just given the formation, I prefer check raising here.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think you upgraded my small preference to solid preference on this. So, in actuality our hero just calls. So on the turn, we now have So on the turn we're going to have like 40 after rake, uh, 40 and then rake, so probably around like 35. On the turn is the 5 of diamonds, so now we have H2's 4, offsuit 5, middle position checks, and our hero decides to lead so it doesn't check through. And he bets 16 dollars villain thought for about 30 seconds and made it 45. middle position folds and i go into the tank for a few minutes i'm debating flatting versus raising if i flat i'm worried I, I won i won't get max value because i have 155 behind and can only bet 100. if i raise he may just throw it away based on our history i decided to make it the max and raise to 145. he doesn't look happy so i took my headphones off he gives a big speech announcing he knows what he is being holly when he's being Hollywood and starts to tell the table about my throat clearing and facial expressions. At this point I start talking with him because I feel like as if I don't, he may just throw it away. I told him it was good he didn't snap it off and that I'm not folding at this point anyway. He keeps berating me for Hollywood and then puts another hundred in. This makes me confused, so I put him on ace nine, ace ten with a club. And I bet the last forty five dollars in the dark. I would have loved to be in the fly on the wall, be a fly on the wall for that. That street. Yeah. Um,
1: so I think Hero realized kind of what I was saying, and that he he didn't want to just check and risk a check-raise the turn. And so, you know, if we had check-raised the flop, I think the the whole hand just like plays a little easier. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So we get to this point. We we leave the turn, um, which I think is fine. I would probably choose a larger sizing, but. I think, as play, the decision to bet the turn yourself is solid. Um, okay, so we get raised. And I think it's important to consider, like, what your range looks like to your opponent. I don't think your opponent would expect you to have a hand like 7-6 of clubs. It just, I mean, the whole point of flatting on the flop was to be deceptive. And I think we probably have been. I think a lot of players at the low stakes could play an ace like this, you know, they, uh for whatever reason, check call the flop and then decide that they don't want to let clubs see a free card and they bet an ace. And so I actually think it's possible for your opponent to have, like, a hefty bluff-raising range here just because you you kind of look pretty capped. Okay, and so given that, I actually think it might be worth just flatting and sort of resigning yourself to call Um, instead of raising yourself. I think raising is fine because it's it's just like when you think about the, the hands that your opponent's raising, you're actually in like a bit more of a bluff-kissing situation than you might realize. Like, I don't know that your opponent is necessarily highly incentivized to raise a hand like ace-nine with the nine of clubs, you know. Uh, that's the type of hand that I think is kind of happy just to call and play the river in position. Um, so, yeah, I think this might be an instance where your opponent is somewhat polarized against your hand when they raise here, and given their profile, I think we have an interest in letting them just bluff a lot of rivers, and the thing that we have to do is just make sure we don't hold the river, even if it's a glove. if we're going to play like that. Um obviously, unless the other player comes along, too.
0: Yeah, not much to add there. Uh, Well said, Jack. And yeah, that's definitely the $100 max bet, I think, does come into play, you know, probably more often than the hero might realize. Just in that it's just a lot harder to bluff. When hero bets small, gets raised, and then re-raises, that's rarely, rarely a bluff ever at 1-2. But I'd say in a $100 $100 max game, It's, I think it's very, very rarely a bluff. And if it is, it's from kind of like a maniac who's probably doing it a ton.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and clearly we don't
1: give our opponent any room to like come over the top with any of his range that was bluffing. So when our opponent calls, I, I would put him on a lot of like the stronger ace in his range. Uh, Some of those might include a club, some of them might not. I don't think he would. Uh, At this point, there's no reason really to tank with, like, a better flush or, like, a huge hand, like ace-queen with the queen of clubs. Like, those hands are just pretty happy to ship at this point. Uh, So I actually, I wouldn't expect our opponent to
0: have a club in their hand. That that would be my hunch. So the river is the jack of clubs. And uh, he thinks for about 10 seconds and calls. And then Hero tables his hand and is good. Our hero writes, I don't know what the villain had. I'm not sure if it was a set, maybe ace three with the three of clubs, chasing the straight flush dream. I've never had a hand like this where someone knows another person's Hollywooding, still calls, and then can't be can't beat anything. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unique, but I you know, I don't I don't really know. I could see this villain just getting really stubborn with a big ace that he decided to flap pre-flop and got attached to. So I think at 1-2, you see a lot of like very small things that turn into big blow-ups, often with like big hands, where people get attached to like their Ace-King or their Pocket-Kings, they get pre-flop. At 1-2, they're also probably likely to more play it in a more passive way, and then feel really entitled to win the hand, because maybe they're down, maybe they've been card dead, or maybe they just really, really like that hand, and we're planning on winning, kind of regardless of the post-flop action. So I think there's a lot of hands this guy can have, not necessarily just like a set or a two pair. So yeah, I think, you know, once you get to the, to the turn, uh, Jack and I would probably recommend sizing a bit bigger uh, and, you know, just playing a bit more straightforward on the flop. And, you know, the, the advantage of betting out more with your better hands is that if you start showing those down a lot um, against players where you're, a bit deeper against, you could then start, you know, bluffing, bluffing more and doing, doing so more profitably because then when you're betting, uh, and leading and taking the initiative in hands, people won't be able to just put you on a good hand or a bad hand because you'll have both sometimes. So thank you for writing in. And I hope our, our analysis and comments were, were helpful. Jack, do you have any uh, final thoughts to add? The only thing I would add is, like, I actually think it's
1: pretty reasonable for Villain to take this line with, like, their stronger aces, two pairs sets. I I think that would be pretty clearly the best way to play it, other than maybe you would want to shove the... go ahead and just shove the turn rather than be resigned to call the bet in the dark. But yeah, I think the fact that we disguised our hand on the flop it shouldn't be surprising when villain chooses to uh, call us down without a flush. I I think it's a very reasonable behavior in the field of a one, two players who, you know, might play an ace pass play on the flop and then just like go with it on the turn. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised to see us win on this river club, but yeah, I like everything else you said, Zach. And yeah, thank you again for running in. And we will talk to you guys next week.